Hello and welcome to A Series of Horrors, the podcast. I'm Jackie from Canada. And hi, I am Jeff from America. And today we watched Saw 4, the fourth movie in the Saw franchise. So how many times have you seen this one, Jeff? I think from here on out, we're at about the same time frame. Um, I'm looking, I think this might have been the third or maybe fourth watch. Because I watched in the theater and I didn't like this version. This one I didn't like when I first saw it. Then when I got the Blu-ray, I binged them all. So that's number two. And I think this might have, I might have watched another time besides t- uh, yesterday when I watched it. So I'm looking at maybe three or four. And I think that's that's going on for the rest of them, except for maybe the Jigsaw, which I only saw once in the theater. I haven't seen it again. Okay. I'm excited about that one. Well, I am excited about it too, because I haven't seen any of them at this point. So this was my first watch today. I do have to say, totally fresh. I do have to say, Jeff did give me a bit of a warning, and I want to give all of our listeners a warning. If you haven't actually seen this movie yet, I do want to give you a trigger warning. There is a pretty intense scene that involves sexual assault in this movie. That's very important, yeah, because it comes kind of out of nowhere, and then it's just there. Yeah, and it's it's pretty brutal. We'll get to it when we do. I'll give another trigger warning before we discuss it, if you want to skip forward a little bit. So you saw it more recently. You just saw it a little while ago, also yesterday so i might be a little dicey on when it starts because i know it doesn't start on the first trap yeah it doesn't start with the first trap don't worry i I have my 26 pages of notes from this movie i got you covered with details nice so this one starts with jigsaw full frontal nudity Mm -hmm. yeah i was i have a little note that says a solid ball sack shot Mm -hmm. it's it's no not just like they pan around a few times so if you if you look you'll see more oh excellent i I was too busy writing my first note of even better font this time. And they just put more of it. It's just everywhere. So much font. <laughs> yeah, because they double up. They're like, it's on one side. Then it's like in the back and like a shadow off to the side. Very stylized. This is they have. They got the font budget. They got the new the font plugins for whatever app program they were using. As you said, from the font, we go to the autopsy of Jigsaw. The coroner says that this is John Kramer, 52 Caucasian. He's seen better days. And I say, no shit, he's on your <laughs> autopsy table. <laughs> what were you expecting? In his defense, he has a slit, his throat is slit, and he has a gaping hole in his brain or in his skull. Okay, fair points. But I would like to counter that anyone that is on an autopsy table has seen better days. <laughs> More likely than not, you know, this is not their best look. Yeah, I can, I can probably concur with that one. Yeah, I can go with it. Uh, we get right into the gore with this one. They peel back his scalp, start removing his brain. Then they slice open his sternum, pulling out his stomach. They cut open the stomach and they find that wax-covered tape that I mentioned from Saw 3. Yeah, and then they flash back to Saw 3, kind of. It's the events of Saw 3 that weren't ever shown in the movie. Basically him covering the tape in wax and then swallowing the tape. Mm-hmm. Which, even if it was coated in wax, that's a very large thing to swallow. (laughs) He must not have a major gag reflex. Good for him. (laughs) Yes, good for him. Keep it clean, Jeff. Keep it clean. So, (laughs) I do have questions about the autopsy because they went pretty... I don't even know if I want to call it gory. It was more medical than anything else because it's very clinical. It was very clinical. I feel like after Saw 3 and they got away with the brain surgery scene because it was a medical gore situation, they fell right into that, tried to do it again. They really held on at this time because I, I don't know if that's the way you would do an autopsy, but it feels right to me, I guess. Based on what was that other movie we watched? The Autopsy of Jane Joe? 
It seemed, it seemed pretty accurate. It seemed pretty on point. I mean, yeah, even though the witches didn't have, were weird on that one, but that's spoiler <laughs> for the autopsy of Jane Doe. <laughs> yeah, the witches are haunted. Wait, no, the autopsy is haunted for, by witches, not ghosts. Yes, I should have thought, thought that line ahead before I said it, but whatever. Here we are. <laughs> Anyways, they called Detective Hoffman onto the scene to the morgue and he plays the tape the tape says that the the detective is the last one standing and it's not over just because jigsaw is dead it's not over the games have just begun and everybody has a weird look on their faces and it cuts to to a cemetery yeah we cut into a mausoleum yeah mausoleum we see that there's a man chained up by his neck his eyes have been sewn shut then there's another man across the room from him. His mouth has been sewn shut. They both are chained to a device that's in the center of the room. The blind man starts yelling at the mute man. He's distressed because he won't talk to him. The blind man trips and falls on some tools. It looks like a hook and a small axe. The blind man begins throwing items at, in the direction of the mute man. And it's then that the mute man notices that he has a padlock around his neck and the key is attached to the chain call the chained collar of the blind man. All right. My question is right now, yeah, why are they there? There's no tape, there's no recording, there's no nothing. It's just like it just cuts to a scene of two guys trapped in a mausoleum. As far as we as far as we know, this isn't even a jigsaw trap. It's just two guys. Fair enough. We find out why one of them was there eventually, but I don't know about the other guy because we never find out about that, and we never see anything for him, any tape left or nothing. Oh, you caught something. I don't. I haven't caught because I don't know why any of them are there there yet. And I can't. I couldn't fathom it. I'm... Oh, they sh- they flash back at the end of the movie. I'll get there. We'll... Oh, when we get there. All right. All right. So I, I have another one. I'll I'll wait patiently for that one. But uh, the next one, when the the mute man gets to an axe. Any reason he didn't use it to cut the twine or whatever it was that sewed his mouth shut? Yeah, I had questions about the mouth situation too, but first, let's get into what happens between these two men. Of course, they're not getting along because the blind man is very angry at the mute man for not talking to him and for and then blaming him for being there. For why, why are you doing this to me? Talk to me. Mm-hmm. So he starts throwing tools at him and then when the mute man sees the keys, it's murder time. <laughs> yeah, but we also notice that the chains that are attached to them, they're attached to each other. As the blind man is pulling on the chain, it's pulling the mute man towards the device. And so the he braces his feet against the device to stop himself from going straight into it. And this triggers the device to turn on. And we find out that it's a, what what do you call it? It like, it's like a winch. The, a winch. That's, that's the perfect word for it that I couldn't think of. It's a winch. And it, as it turns, there's, there's a couple winches in this movie. Now that I think about it, there's another winch trap later on. As the winch um, turns, it pulls them closer and closer together. Eventually, I'm assuming the trap would suck them both into the machine. At this point, the blind man, he grabs the hook. The mute man grabs the axe and slowly creeps up on the blind man. He throws the axe at him <laughs> as opposed to like whacking at him. He just throws it. And then grabs, he grabs his chain and he throws him against the wall. The blind man uh, then stabs him in the knee with the hook, forcing him to fall down. Then the mute man, because he's never taken a first aid course, decides to rip the hook out of him and start spurting blood everywhere. If you ever have an implement stabbed into you, keep it in because it is stopping you from bleeding out. Stabilize it. And then go and find a doctor. I know he's trapped. He can't find a doctor immediately, but still. But still, you know, the hook, well, I can't say the hook wasn't bothering him because I'm sure it was, but you know. He then takes the hook and he stabs it into the back of uh, the blind man's shoulder and is able to get the key before the blind man grabs the axe and smacks him in the head with it. See, didn't he slap him on the head like, but the, like the dull side? 
not really the choppy choppy side, I guess. Well, he's blind, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I was thinking about later when the when the when the mute man was doing it to the blind man. That sounded dirty, also. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah. So the blind man's advancing, trying to hit the mute man while he's trying to do undo the lock around his neck. He then defends himself with a roundhouse kick to the blind man. He then grabs, I thought it was a mallet, not the axe, but maybe it was the axe. I thought he had another tool. I thought it was. It could have been a mallet. That would make more sense because it did seem like it was way more blunt than the axe would have been. Mm -hmm. And then he just starts smashing in the blind man's head. And then once he's incapacitated, he undoes the lock. And at this point, he opens up his mouth and it's full of blood and he screams. And this is where I asked, how? How did he open up his mouth suddenly? But you may have a point there. Maybe he opened it with the axe? No, at that point, I just think he forced it open because it was just like string. Or So at any time he could have pulled it open, I would have suggested against it because that would hurt. Um, and once he had an axe, I figured he could just chop the string. But at the end, after he's safe, he screams and rips it open. <laughs> Best way I could put it. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me, but that seemed, I don't know. It was really thick thread. It would take a lot of force for you to that open. True. True. And it's not like the blind man was letting him really have time you know, to do anything. He was just throwing stuff at him and yelling and screaming. There was no attempt There was no attempt at communicating or anything. There always has to be someone that is at an 11. <laughs> Actually, does this movie have any people? Not that many people are at 11 here that I could think of. We, we needed to have the blind man at 11. No, there's a, there's a character later that basically, he starts like at a nine, then goes to like a 12 by the end. One of the detective guys or the FBI guys, one of those guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has, he has a moment of emotional rage. Yeah, okay. but, but at least you see a reason why he went to 11. Yeah, like, something happened. I'm at 11 now. Just Yeah, exactly. Unlike most characters in this franchise. But anyways, we cut to a tactical team. They're advancing on a warehouse. We see Riggs and Detective Hoffman. The team says that they see some movement and we notice a shadow moving along the floor. They send in a bomb tank robot thing. <laughs> bomb tank robot. I'm sorry, was that a bad description? <laughs> Not perfect. Very mean. Bob tank. Bomb tank robot thing. I have a perfect picture of my brain with that. It works. Thank you. Uh, we then see through the grainy image of the camera that we see Detective Dizzy's face. Riggs that Rig then just runs straight on in with no questions asked. Kicks in the door. And he finds Detective Dizzy's body as it was left at in Saw Three with the rib, mm -hmm. yeah, with the ribs ripped out, and her body is decomposing. There are rats eating her. It's pretty gruesome. It's pretty bad. Yeah, this one's pretty bad. Yeah. And then she's been dead. They saying four days, or she was missing four days. And he, and she's like, oh, I thought it could have been Matthews, Eric, still missing. He has hope that Eric is still out there somewhere. But Hoffman said, "Listen, it's been six months." Look at Carrie. She's been dead. She's dead now. She's only been gone four days. Jigsaw doesn't keep people alive. Dispatches of them in, in a trap of some way. It's like, just let it go. Yeah, exactly. And Hoffman is asking Rig, why on earth did he go running straight in through the door, an unsecured door? Rig says that it was because he thought that she was alive and that he could save her. The wall behind him says, cherish her life. And Rig is asking Hoff if this is how he pictured their job would be. Like, when had he pictured this when they had started their jobs? Hoff says, no. Rig then says, why the hell do we still do it? Hoff says, it's in our nature to want to save them. Rig says, it's what we do. In agreement. Hoff then says, right, cherish your life, referring to the wall. Rig is confused as he's sitting in front of the wall. And then he turns around, looks at it, and goes, how the hell are we supposed to do that when this is our lives? <laughs> Pretty good point there. Pretty good point there, Captain. I have to admit. 
Uh, Hoff says, uh, we, we chose this. And he also says that Rig should go home. Go home. Go to your wife. You know, just, just get out of here. You know, it's just, it's too much. And I think this is where the FBI show up. I don't know what they are. Yeah, they are FBI. They announced themselves the FBI. They are spe- Special Agent Lindsay Perez and Special Agent Peter Strom. They mentioned that Detective Dizzy was an FBI liaison. The last message that she sent to them was, open the door and you will find me. He then tosses a key at Hoffman and explains that was the last message they received and they received this key. I missed that part. I was wondering where he got the key later on. I kind of... Oh, yeah. It was sent to him by Detective Dizzy in quotation. Yeah, so there. So that's a little allusion to the, to what's coming up later. That of course in this movie nothing happens for no reason. Nobody says anything for no reason. Exactly why I have twenty six pages of notes. Uh, speaking of those little things that come back later, uh, detective at the crime scene says that one of the crime scene photographers Flash picked up a bullet casing lodged between the body and the device. Hoffman says to run it for prints. Perez notes that the lock was open, yet Dizzy couldn't get out. Hoffman then says. It wasn't meant, it was meant for an execution. It didn't follow the rules. Perez asks, does that mean that it's not a jigsaw trap? Hoffman says, no, it was Amanda Young, the accomplice. Strom says, there's no way that Amanda could have lifted Dizzy up there because Dizzy is of more, uh, she weighs more than Amanda does. And that John, aka Jigsaw, couldn't have done it because he was bedridden with cancer. Hoff tries to, you know, brush it aside by saying that John was an engineer. He could have rigged some pulleys or something. And Strom says, or someone helped them. Which is way more likely, obviously. Is, you know, like, there's no pulleys or levers or fulcrums or anything else. I can think of that would go in this theme of words to help this out. And then after this, it doesn't cut to Rig at the police station looking at an interrogation of somebody returning from the last movie, Jigsaw's ex-wife. We do find out that it's ex Jill. At this point, I wrote her as the woman from Jigsaw's I Love You flashback because <laughs> I wasn't sure of their relationship. But anyway. And every time you say Hoff, I keep on thinking I keep on thinking um David Hasselhoff is in the movie. I'm like, the Hoff is here. <laughs> And it's just, it's just, I'm sorry. You know I'm one for nickname. <laughs> like the Hoff is here. Kid is coming. It's going to be great. Just... I had 26 pages of notes to write. I couldn't handle writing ban after Hoff each time. <laughs> when you told me I've only been watching 10 minutes and I have 13 pages of notes, I was like, oh boy. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> we are in for a ride. <laughs> Jeff doesn't have much to say today. Uh, we're watching Detective Hoffman as he interrogates Jill on the tape. He's mentioned something about there was a Harlequin doll that was found at her house. He talks about the tricycle, things like that. Meanwhile, Rig is looking over a book about John Kramer, and it says on it as its tagline, was he really the murderer, police say? And there's two magazines that have John's picture on it as well. One cover says 95 influential criminal masterminds. The other one is the Journal of Civil Engineering. I'm guessing that was pre-Jigsaw, back when he was a regular guy. You would hope so. I would think, you know, or maybe, you know, they have to move copies somehow. Listen, if he was a civil engineer, if we just do an expose or a, or a think piece about his civil engineering days, these things will fly off the shelves no matter what. Yeah, civil engineers are just trying to get back their edge. They're like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, Engineering Weekly or whatever it was. It was like, listen, we're the, we're the cool engineering magazine. Those are the guys are squares. We're the ones that are ears to the ground. Yes. We're, the, oh, no. we're the bad boys of engineering. Us, us. Oh, anyways, on the tape, Hoff is asking if they should be worried for uh, Jill's safety. 
She says that perhaps he should be more concerned about his own. He's then asking her to tell him everything that she knows about Jigsaw, or John rather, from the beginning. She says that John's life defies chronological and linear description. Based on these movies, I would have to agree. Oh, you know, well, based on these movies, I, yeah, you have, yeah, there's no other way, especially after Jigsaw comes up. Man, if you try to logically make sense of these things, you're going to have a headache. <laughs> and, to, and to anybody that happens to be watching along with us, same boat Jackie's in, I'm going to have to give you guys a fair warning from here on out. I am going to be very, <laughs> I'm going to be very confused as to what I can and cannot say to not spoil the next movie in the franchise or two movies from now in the franchise. Because. <laughs> Uh, this movie, uh, to cut a little bit ahead to the end, just a little spoiler warning. Um, I don't see it as a complete movie yet, but I'll get to that later. It's more like a part of a movie. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt about the last one because it was so open-ended and then you ended up spoiling, but we didn't realize it was a spoiler that this movie was happening at the same time as the last movie. So I already knew that coming into this, but almost kind of forgot it in a sense because it started with the autopsy. So I assumed that everything else was happening after the autopsy. But yeah, like the next day or whatever, mm-hmm. or just around that time. But no, it was. And the movie wants you to think that until at the end, there's like twist. Guess what? I like the twist because they're all off the wall and they're very almost impossible to see coming because they set you up to think everything else besides this, besides what the twist is. And they give you clues to things going to happen two movies from now. <laughs> yeah, this is where they really start laying the groundwork for other things. Yeah, because this is, this is where that writer comes in. That's Lee Wanella is now gone. And now yeah, it's actually a, a writing duo. Wait, I wrote it somewhere in these many pages. Uh, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Milton. Yeah, uh, I think Milton was the one that wrote um, the collection, the collector, and the collection, and mm-hmm. the, the newest one, uh, collecting forever, hoarding. I don't know what to call the last one, but um, <laughs> I like hoarding, definitely hoarding. Hoarding, yeah, <laughs> just great. We're break, we're breaking up the we're, you collector, you're the collection. Now it's hoarding. That's it. <laughs> no more. We have no, we don't know what to call it now. It is what it is. And it's um, actually the prequel to the TLC show. <laughs> You said TLC. I was thinking waterfalls. What singing? No, <laughs> no, not no scrubs, but <laughs> the Learning Channel. <laughs> so many connections in my brain. Um, yeah, so this movie, uh, I'm gonna not know what to say sometimes because I'm just gonna be smiling and nodding on an audio podcast. So that's gonna go over well. And, uh, <laughs> But this is where really where it, they really double down on screw it. Apparently, they know where they're going to get all the movies they want to finish their story. And we're taking our sweet time. And we don't have to do a complete story. Yeah, they're just like, this is a cash cow at this point. We we got time and money. Because at least in part three, Lee Wanell was still there. It was intricate and, con- and convoluted in a good way. But it was still like Jeff and Jeff's wife's story, which I can't remember her name right now. Lynn. And that was Lynn. And that was ba- that was pretty much resolved. You know, she Other than the, the daughter thing. Yeah, which is like a throw well, throwaway saying much, but it, that was a at the end like, hey, by the way, daughter. What? Dun, 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 dun. But it's, uh, <laughs> I'm super concerned about the daughter though. <laughs> she was already so neglected and now what? She's gonna die in a box somewhere? Poor thing. She's been taking care of herself for a good long while. It looked like it, because he was Jeff wasn't doing too well. I know I wasn't. It was I was having a rough rough go at it. <laughs> And I'm just brandishing a gun in, in a room in a room with my four or five year old daughter, however old she happens to be in this movie. Mom doesn't like mom wouldn't like to see us like this. She's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to school now. It's bad when the kid's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go get ready for school and go. Yeah, I'm just gonna piece right out of this situation right here. Right, you hang out here, I'll make myself some breakfast. You don't need to worry about a thing. I'll I got this. I'll, I'll take care of it. 
Back to this movie. Back to four, you know. Yeah, back to Saw 4. Uh, we have Hoffman on the tape saying, work your way backwards then. And at that point, her lawyer shows up and cuts the interview short. Riggs says to Hoffman that Jill knows more. She knows something. Hoffman tells him to go home, spend time with your wife. Don't take her for granted. Yeah, Hoffman's really uh, doubling down on him. It's saying, hey, um, Rig, you got pe- you got vacation time. Take it. Go home. Finish uh, your remodel on the house. Do this. Do that. Just, hey, get out of here. Get over. Not get over, but, you know, move on. Kids behind you. You know, clear your head. Be, be better. But he actually is giving him very good advice. He is. He's trying to. But anyway, so Rig le- leaves and Shram asks Hoff, what's his problem? And Hoff says, everyone keeps dying around him. That seems like a serious problem. I, I would have an issue. I would do. I show up to work to every day and one one day, every day, one less person because I have to find their dead body at their desk. Even though at my job, it'd be kind of weird. But, um, <laughs> you might be strange. Are you in tech? To to <laughs> yes, I'm in tech. So it'd be weird for me to see, like, I just show up to the office and it's like, hey, um, Joe's not here right now, but he's like under his desk, like covered in barbed wire or something. I don't know. <laughs> feel like it makes more sense for my job we actually say in training like if you end up getting hit by a car that's great you just end up joining our ghost tour forever more <laughs> <laughs> you just stay you you just got a permanent job here it's all that's, yeah. that's still how it works so at this point rig does go home mm-hmm. right? he does and he sees a suitcase packed and waiting by the door so we know what this means and a note on the on the table on the end table the, in the middle of the hallway the whole time oh the wife and then his wife is like packing or something or getting a few last things to pack i'm like oh she he caught her right when she was gonna leave him is the first thing i thought as did i that's what i assumed was happening but he asks what the note is about and she explains that she's been it says she's been trying to reach him dinner's in the fridge or something like that and that she needs to leave to go help her mom for a few days and to go with her Mm -hmm. come with me so this is his last chance (laughs) pretty much but he's like i can't no which he still can because everybody's at work they're telling him to not come in and just take some time all your friends are dead you know just relax (laughs) they just bought him that book with the dinosaur on it have you ever seen it (laughs) all my friends are dead (laughs) and it's (laughs) exactly so she leaves upset meanwhile we cut back to the station to uh special agent perez reading a newspaper that has a picture of John on it. It says, and oh, sorry, she says, ironically, he owned a company called the Urban Renewal Group. So this might be an answer to some of the questions you had earlier and how he can fund his expeditions. See, he owned a company. He was a businessman. He had funds to buy buildings and clinics and such. So Yeah, so it makes sense. He's independently wealthy, I guess. And he was in real estate, so it makes sense why he knew all these warehouses where he owned them all. Yeah, we do find that out. Perez confirms that Jill Tuck is Jigsaw's ex-wife, that the taped interview is an old one. She then says they should tell uh, Detective Hoff the other thing that Dizzy said in her last message which was two officers might be in danger. Strawn says until he knows who, they're not causing any panic. Perez says that if anyone at the station is in danger, they should know. And Douchebag says, not her call. That's my choice. That's my decision to make. So, you know, so I'm going to say no. I'm going to endanger people with a lack of information. And I think Hoffman, uh, not Hoffman, I think uh, Strom doesn't trust anyone there already. It's almost like he knows things that he shouldn't know. Yeah. Or suspect. Yeah, right from his line where he's saying that he suspects that there is another person helping Jigsaw, he cockily kind of says, we're here to do what your department couldn't. We're here to catch the like actual criminal or something. I forget. I didn't write it down. One thing I didn't write down. <laughs> what? Can't believe it. I refuse to believe this. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Podcast over. Table flip. I'm done. But, um, Close this bathroom door dramatically. Dramatically. Shut. Right. Slam. Mirror breaks. The whole the whole nine yards. It's not holding back. Uh, Detective Hoffman tells, uh, sorry, a different detective tells Detective Hoffman that there is another doctor missing from the hospital. We assume this is Lynn. At this point, Hoffman's standing in the door. He has this stuffed animal under his arm. And this leads him, Perez questions him about if he has a son or a daughter. He says that he has a daughter and he's unmarried. It's a short story, but doesn't say anything more. So it's right now in his house alone and i'm not sure what he's doing but then i know this is where he gets he was in bed trying to fall asleep and then all of a sudden a light turns on in the hallway and he hears something in his house and then as he's walking around the house when he closes the closet door behind the closet door inside the room is the pig mask no this one was uh because he has the room remodel going on right yeah so he walks into the living room and there's all the tarps and then something jumps at him from behind one of the tarps and grabs him yeah and it's jigsaw and or it can't be jigsaw. He has no throat. It was pig mask. We don't even see the pig mask here. That's the weird thing. You see it later, though, right? You see it on the when they flash back to this later. No, I don't remember a pig mask because there's so many other pig masks. <laughs> well, it's through the tarp first of all, so he's just this hooded figure, and it looks like he's just wearing like a black hoodie, and you can't see his face. Mm. And as we know, it's going to be a fancy satin rope because that's if anything, they do everything in style. Everything's fancy, but right now we've cut back to Detective Hoffman. He's at his desk. He's writing some sort of note, puts the note and something else, which I couldn't tell what it was, even paused and went up to my TV to try to determine what it was. But it could have been a key, could have been a USB key. I have no idea. Puts them both into an envelope and then he puts it into the desk drawer. He then turns to go make a phone call and behind him is the pig face mask. This, this movie, it's a little, I don't want to say slow going, but because it's, it's not really a slow burn because there's a lot of crazy gory traps. But the whys and wherefores to what's going on, they really take their time with. Doesn't it cut later to a rig waking up in a bathtub? Yeah, it does. I, I definitely was finding that this movie felt like it was dragging more and especially as i'm writing all my notes and taking forever with this i kept on going how how is there this much time left in this movie <laughs> it's one of those things it's you know like you see him um, waking up in the bathtub now water on and we are maybe at this point 20 minutes in give or take and nothing's happened nothing's happened that we don't already know about we see an autopsy which we already know what happened we see detective dizzy get found which we know how that happened and we get just cop drama from characters we have we don't know. We met Hoffman for two seconds in the last movie. We've seen Rig a couple times in the last two movies. So nobody's invested into any of these people. Yeah, which is at least maybe they're trying to make us invest in these people through all this information, which I can appreciate more than Saw 2, where we knew nothing about anyone. Because yeah, they we do know we do know Rig's name because they make sure to say Rig a bunch. <laughs> Rig, 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 Rig. So yeah, Strom, they say a bunch. Hoffman, they always call him Hoffman, this and that and the other thing. And mm-hmm. the FBI's name that I now I don't remember. Perez. <laughs> Perez, I'm like, I should know she's Spanish like me. I shouldn't know this. But um. Anyways, so Greg wakes up in the bathtub. He then stumbles out and he sees there's a red question mark painted on the bathroom door. He opens the door, tripping a wire that starts one of the famous Billy the Pup the tapes. Now we know that Rig is in the trap. This trap is an interesting trap. It's more of to teach him a lesson that you can't save everyone. Yeah, well, it's it's a game, right? So it's not necessarily, like, I wouldn't call it a trap. It is a trap, yeah, I guess, but like at the same time, it's not a physical trap. It's just a game that he needs to play. 
as opposed to him being tied up to something or whatever. Well, it's more of a lesson he needs to learn than a game he needs to play. Mm-hmm. Listen, can you come to the realization that you cannot save everyone? Yeah, I actually have the full tape written down as I do. Okay. <laughs> um, but first we note that uh, it shows us the nightstand. The phone is missing from the nightstand and there's a note beside it that says, no phone, only you can save them. Greg grabs a gun, he's loading it, and meanwhile the tape is playing. For years, you have stood by and witnessed as your colleagues have fallen. You have remained untouched while Eric Matthews has disappeared. But with your survival came your obsession to stop those around you from making the wrong choices, thus preventing you from making the right ones. You wanted to save everyone. Tonight, I give you the opportunity to face your obsession. Look closely. The tape then cuts to Detective uh, Donnie, or Eric Matthews, shackled and disheveled. He's hanging from a chain from the ceiling. Beside him is a a man who's bound and gagged, and upon closer inspection, it is Detective Hoffman. Continues. Eric Matthews is still alive. The block of ice he stands upon is melting. He has 90 minutes to save himself. Detective Hoffman's fate is linked to Eric's survival. Heed my warning. Their lives hang in the balance of your obsession. Will you learn how to let go and truly save them? The choice is yours. Knowing how the movie goes, it really spells it out for you in a way that you don't realize when you're first listening to it. As every else. So what I was going to say is, did you look at Eric Matthews' leg to make sure he had the, the, the most epically huge uh, walking boot you could ever find? Yeah, and it looks ancient, as if someone from medieval times put it together for him. It's comically huge. They had to do something. Yeah, they had to explain what happened to his foot in some sort of way. It's either that or he wouldn't have a foot. It's either or. Either he, they gave him a big boot or a peg leg. A peg leg would have been cool. <laughs> That would have been amazing, but it probably would have been even more uncomfortable for Donnie Wahlberg. So they were, they went with the boot. That's probably the most comfortable thing they could have put on his foot for him to chill in since he's hanging from a ceiling. <laughs> That's how they got him to come back, I guess. He probably filmed all his stuff like in a day or two. Yeah, I think they said that originally he was not supposed to come back and they had actually written a script without him involved in it. And then at the last minute, his schedule cleared and he was able to come back. So they reworked the script again. He just They just moved a couple schedules from Wahlbergers and he was able to show up. <laughs> worked he got somebody to cover for him a couple days and boom i can go and go up to toronto have you seen that one scene from Wahlburgers where they're coming out with their own like neat line for grocery stores and they're trying to figure out the branding for it and no. donnie's, <laughs> donnie's complaining there's like one where it's just a picture of mark on it and he's like nobody wants mark have you seen how badly his last few movies have bombed <laughs> like the shame <laughs> Donnie, really? All right, cool. <laughs> Donnie has his job on Blue Bloods, is it? On whatever TV show? He... He's on Blue Bloods? I didn't know the Blue Bloods. Yeah, he's the main guy, I think it is. I thought Magnum P.I. was the main guy. Or, um, what? I can't say that because Magnum P.I. is back. Uh, I thought Tom Selleck was the main guy in that. Maybe I have the wrong. I think he's a main guy in it as well, but I know that Donnie has his own TV show that he does now. Oh, uh, good for Donnie. Yeah. Isn't that one of the, the Chicago ones? Chicago Fire Med or Police? I don't know. But I've been to Wahlburgers. Have you? They used to have them here in Florida. Then shortly after the pandemic, they all shut down. Every time I went there, I always had the same problem. There was nothing. I love burgers, but then I would look at the menu and there were no burgers there that looked that sounded good. That's sad. Yeah, I'm like, ah, none of these sound good to me. But there's like seven different ones and all of them sound bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> How can you have seven bad burgers? I did just look it up, though. He is in Blue Bloods. And it, with Tom Selleck. They are both in it. They both star. I always see Tom Selleck in the commercials. So I just thought it was his. I've, I've seen clips of it whenever I go over to my parents' house. They're big TV watchers. And I'll just be sitting on the couch. And I'm like, is that Donnie Wahlberg? <laughs> Like, yeah, I know. It's hard to tell without the rat tail. <laughs> it's like he's a whole new guy. Yeah, that's why I didn't recognize him that he in the Sixth Sense when he showed up in his in the movie. Oh yeah, I forgot he's in that. I always forget he's in that. Yeah, weighing eighty-seven pounds or whatever it was, and just so unlike Donnie Wahlberg. But Wahlburgers, they do have uh, sweet potato tater tots, which is pretty cool. I'd eat that. Yeah, that, that's... Ever since you and I talked about how you need to go to White Castle when you come to New York, and then I countered with, I need Shake Shack. Oh, I've been craving it's a Shake Shack burger. We have Shake Shack here. If only it weren't for the great core and I could come. <laughs> you go, yeah. Back to the movie. The tape ends. <laughs> And Rig opens up the bedroom door, tripping another wire that sets off a 90-minute timer. There are pictures of people, including Detective Donnie and Hoff, hanging from the ceiling and posted all around the living room. And then when he gets to the living room, he sees a lady tied up to a chair. That's basically, that's all you can tell at this point. She's just there tied up. Wearing the pig mask. We're, oh yes, wearing the pig mask. So as you get closer, um, the TV automatically turns on. He didn't trip anything. He didn't do anything. It just flips on. And you do see in her hand a tape recorder taped to her hand. And on the wall, we see in the typical jigsaw red writing, see what I see. And there's a bunch of pictures. I think they have pictures on there. Yeah, they do. We do find that out after he takes off her mask. So first Rig is yelling at her to take off her mask, put up her hands, and she's muffled and crying that he can't. Her hands are chained. There's the tape player. TV turns on. We get more of Billy the Puppet. He says, the first test, the person in front of you is in desperate need of help. But it is not your job to save them. You view this person as a victim. But if you want to see what I see, beneath the mask lies a criminal, undeserving of the life she leads. At this point, Rig takes the mask off of her head and it cuts to pictures of her that are around the apartment and... From the pictures, we can see that she is some sort of pimp. She seems to be selling off a very young girl to someone. If it's a lady, is she a madam then? Yeah, I guess madam, but... Is that... It didn't look that fancy. It didn't sound that fancy. Madam usually applies that you like have a brothel or something like that, you know? On the street, she's ushering this young girl into a man's car. A very young girl, by the way. BT Dubs. She looks under 15 or something. She looks young. Way too young. And so they don't explicitly say do anything or show anything, but they elude enough for you to put it together. Yeah. Oh, exactly. There's nothing explicit in these photos, but it shows her negotiating through a window where at first I thought that she was a sex worker. But That's then what I thought, yeah. The next picture is her bringing the young girl to the car. The tape, so I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. The tape then says, your obsession tells you to save the victim. I tell you to walk away. The choice is yours. And then I think her trap begins. Right? Like the trap is sprung on that one. Uh, first Young gags her. She asks if he is a cop. He says, yeah. And then as he's further removing the mask, that's what triggers the trap. Mm. Oh, yeah, because he pulls on a pin. Oh, no, it's the hood when he takes the hood off. And him goes. Mm. In a way, if he would have just walked away and left her there, she would be fine. Yeah. More or less still tied up to a chair or whatever. But Yeah, the trap wouldn't have been triggered. Yeah, and this, this is wench number two. But this, um, as a girl, I'm going to ask you about if this would even work. Because in my head, I'm like, this can't be. This is not the way hair works. But her trap is she has long, luxurious long blonde hair apparently in a braid and that is wrapped around the winch and the winch is turning it i really want to make a pun about the fact that it's a wench on a winch anyways that's not bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then it's turning and turning and turning. It pulls her head back and then eventually starts to pull her scalp off, which I thought the hair would just pull out of her head. It depends on like how hard this is pulling. It could definitely pull skin. So it would actually look the way it does in this movie where it's like coming off from her forehead? That was the part that I like. I thought based on where the ponytail was pulling it wouldn't be her the front of her head first but maybe it would like, so I'm like, i have no i've never had long hair like that so i have no idea i have a long beard but no, i don't know if that would winch it would pull my chin off but yeah it, it would probably pull some of her skin off i would also wonder how strong is this lady's hair because i know my hair and i feel like my hair would stop and start breaking from the tension like closer to the root but like breaking off versus actually pulling my skin with it i'm watching this like it's it's terrible in this graphic and i'm like wow her hair is holding up really good to this mm -hmm. and wow you can't find some scissors or a knife or something to just cut the hair well yeah he does start searching for it she's screaming that the the combination is in the gears but uh, or cut my hair cut my hair so he starts running around trying to find scissors in his desk drawer he can't find them he runs to the kitchen thinking that he'll grab a knife all the knives are gone. Every single sharp implement is gone. He opens one of the drawers and there's a note inside it that just says time is wasting. He then tries to pull a detective Singh and shoots the device. When in doubt, it worked for Singh. Exactly. It did work for Singh, but unfortunately doesn't work for Rig. No, and um, you start seeing numbers show up as the gears are turning and it gets to the point where her hair is pulling her forehead like on the where would that part where you where the widow's peak would be i guess in a guy like the edge on top like it start pulling the skin off from there off her skull this is the best way i can word it so this is she has, she has good product in her hair nice strong which is amazing for a blonde that looks like she's a bottle blonde amazing that her hair's not breaking <laughs> Maybe it was natural and just, just looks like a bottle block. Or maybe, you know, that's what uh, she was being a pimp for. That's what her pimping money was used for, for her long, luxurious locks. Just That's what she needed to get all that money for. <laughs> just make sure that she has the nicest hair that she can. Have the nicest hair possible. Just, yeah, you got to do these unmentionable things to these nasty dudes. But look at my hair. Just look at it. It's, it's beautiful. It's so soft and strong. <laughs> Uh, we then get a quick cut back to the station. We find out that there's been a match to the prints on the bullet that was found in Detective Dizzy's body. They match to Rig. Meanwhile, Rig is trying to decode this machine. He figures out that the code is 647, which, fun fact, that's the area code for Toronto. Ooh, nice. So he just could have used his home area code and then it would have worked? I mean, I found out that they are supposed to be in New Jersey. Ah, oh, no, it's not the area code for New Jersey or any of the area codes for New Jersey. But they're in Toronto. So it's a little, little nod to your home hometown. Exactly. Then Rig goes to find some towels so that he can help. Oh, sorry. He he gets her out of the trap and then he goes to try to find some towels for her scalp. And then you see her um, crawling on the ground. She reaches into a cabinet and she pulls out a knife. Then when Rig comes back with some towels or something to help to help her out, she starts going. She starts trying to stab him. I was going to say she starts going at him. I'm like, that's not what I mean. Uh, she starts <laughs> based on her job, we can't say that, Jeff. <laughs> We can't. You're right. No, by based on her Jeff, she would have sent somebody else to go at him. Not, not, <laughs> not do it herself. But, um, she's more a supervisory role than somebody on the front lines, so to speak. Um, so, why am I saying these things? She tries to stab him. 
Yeah, she says that she's going to kill him. He uh, then kills her. He throws her through a glass. Well, I don't know where the glass pane was, but he throws her through one. I think it was she. he threw her through a wall because he was doing a remodel and the other side had like a mirror on it or. Okay, that would make sense. I just I saw the crashing of glass and I wasn't sure what that was, but it does a really cool cut into the police station from that. This movie does have a couple very cool cuts. So for my research, I found out that a lot of the cuts that go from scene to scene, they were done practically, not digitally. So they would have the sets built side by side so that you could go from one set to the next. Oh, and they have been used to filming the whole movie in in basically a warehouse, in Mm -hmm. different warehouses around Toronto. Or maybe it's the same one. Uh, Who knows? I've been trying to find out the exact warehouse that they filmed in because since I'm from there, I want to (laughs) know. But I can't find the exact. It just always says a warehouse in Toronto. <laughs> like, okay, they, thanks. Uh, and that's it. So listeners, if you know which warehouse in Toronto is there, right after you send us to Vegas to do the Saw Escape Room, we'll go to the... <laughs> we'll make our own Saw Escape Room in the, the warehouse. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll go to the... And they'll probably kick us out because there's probably a bunch of Saw fans going in there. It's like the, the yeah. firehouse in, from Ghostbusters, which you can go to in New York. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to say it's like the Conjuring House. Apparently, the owners had to sell it because people just showed up on their lawn every single day and they were too frustrated. Like the Amityville House, which I think is for sale currently. Or wasn't so it was for sale a year or so ago. I remember seeing it. Yeah, because what just went on sale was Lizzie Borden's house. That one just went on sale. I want to say like a month ago. I was reading about that. See, like you get yeah. real estate listings with us. Look, look at all this. Look, look at all, these, all this valuable information you get. A, a series mm-hmm. of horrors. <laughs> Speaking of real, real estate in Kingston here for my job at mm-hmm. the Haunted Walk, we go to one bed and breakfast inn. And they're currently for sale. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, oh, are the ghosts included in that price? <laughs> yeah, the ghosts are free. You know, it's like you pay for the bed and breakfast. He's a ghost. You get, you take, you get for free. So exciting! All right, we're back at the station. Detective Perez tells uh, Stram about the fingerprints that they found, that they're rigs, and then another detective walks in and says that there were shots fired. Uh, they've been reported, and it's from Riggs' apartment. So they all get up and go, quick, mm-hmm. fast. We're back with Rig, and he takes the tape player from the woman's hand. He plays it. We quickly find out that pretty much Jigsaw told her that if the cop saves you, he will use the photos around him to convict you. The only way to stop him is taped under the TV. If you let him not save you, uh, you can let him not save you or you have to kill him. Make your choice. And she does, which is attempt to kill him. Then Rig finds his broken cell phone and he finds a box that looks just like the one from Saw 3. Inside there's a note. It says, one saves a life, the other takes it away. And there's two sets of keys in there. One is a hotel room key and the other one's just like a key on a chain. Off. He leaves the apartment and we cut instead to Hoffman and Detective Donnie. And Hoffman is tied up to a chair. And Detective Donnie is chained, standing, hands over, uh, hands tied up, I think, or hands, well, hands loose. But he's standing on a block of ice. Yeah, and there are heaters pointed at the block of ice. Yeah, melting it. So what happens, what's supposed to happen is, as the ice melts, water feels like fills a pan which goes down to where Hoffman is and there's supposedly a live wire there to ah oh, there's a live wire there so they both die is what uh, is what I'm gathering um, one will get electrocuted and I think so it's the chain is like a noose around Donnie's neck and so it ah, I swear to yeah it, once the ice is melted enough he'll fall and be hanged 
and the there's like a counterweight to it, I guess. So that counterweight tips the platform that the block of ice was on that's been collecting all the water. And once that tips, it will go over to Detective Hoffman into that live wire. And is this when the the guy watching them shows up? Which now I know realize now I remember who he is. Yeah. Um, well, first, we actually get a flashback to show us how Donnie ended up here. So it's immediately after. What we saw in Saw 3, which were the events directly after Saw 2, where Amanda and him struggle in that hallway. And then Donnie's left there, beaten up, and somebody, black-hooded figure that doesn't look like Amanda, comes and grabs him and takes him, like starts dragging him down the hallway and brings him into this cell and puts him in prison clothes, too, like... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and then it shows that they're like feeding him slop, whatever. Keeping him alive for the last six months, he was a prisoner. A prison, yeah, oh, trapped uh, the Count of Monte Cristo for the last six months. Just you know, so. We then cut back to Riggs' apartment, and the tactical team is breaking in. They find uh, we we know her name is Brenda now, but the Madam Pimp, whatever, find her dead body. Mm-hmm. Perez finds photos of both Detective Donnie and. Hoffman and tells Stram two detectives see this. They are questioning who the six fixes are, what are their names and their locations, what do they have in common. And is it the way they get a hint like something, um, uh, is that when they, they show the black light on the, on the wall? Yeah, they do that in just a moment. First they're, they're kind of having this back and forth about uh, it, Perez says it's set up to announce Rig as the accomplice. And Stram, Stram is saying, or is it set up for his alibi? Everyone around him keeps dying, remember? Where is he to tell us that he's innocent or what the hell all these photos are doing in his apartment? Then we get the black light. Since you probably have it written down, what's the black light say? Of course I have it written down. <laughs> it says, four walls build a home. And it's above the wall of photos. Yeah. And this is where Strom does a complete 180 as to what he's thinking. He says, something here doesn't belong. Something here isn't right. One of these things don't, one of these things are not like the other. And he focuses on it being the picture of Jill, which ends up being um, John Jigsaw's ex-wife. Is this when he starts to not suspect Rig anymore when he see when the picture thing? Because he goes from suspecting Rig is the killer to suspecting it being an alibi is just a setup or to trick him. And then after this point, it's like, no, he's being trained to become the next Jigsaw accomplice or something. Yeah, he does say the being trained a little bit further on at one of the other crime scenes. Now he's kind of jumping to Jill. Jill's involved in this somehow. And I really like when he's like, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. I just started like singing that song in my head. One of these things. It's not like the other. <laughs> I don't know how he focused on that. That kind of is, like, well, she's not a cop, but she is kind of related to it. And there was a million pictures on the wall, but none, I guess none of her. I guess that was the only picture of her. He pulls several of them around the room and like they're the same picture of her, but there's several of them around the room. I don't know how he focused that. That's what the thing that was different. We then cut to the interrogation room. Jill is in there. Both Perez and Strom go in. Jill says that there's hundreds of previous hours of interrogation tapes of her and all of the evidence that they've taken from her home wasn't that enough for them to understand john perez then says no we want to talk about you and find out about you jill's really cold at this point but also kind of smirky and asking what the real reason is that they brought her in yeah i read it as somebody has just been i'm sure once they figured out who jigsaw was they probably had her in and out of that police station lord knows how many times just dragging her in and out trying to get information trying to find him especially with, with donnie missing when they were trying to track it down before they find before they find him dead more or less um and as she says you know hundreds hundreds of hours of interrogation nothing's there all the stuff you took from me nothing's there i'm just t- 
fed up more than anything else. Right. So Perez leaves the room and just leaves Jerome there. We then caught and cut back to uh, Detective Ho- Hoffman and Donnie. There's a glass door that enters the room. It says final test on it. A man walks in all in black with a gun. The timer says 52 minutes left. I think this movie takes place in pretty much real time, right? Yeah. I, it's an hour and 40 something minutes. So Real time-ish. For when 90 minutes starts. Mm-hmm. But again, kind of like the last movie. No, kind of like Saw 2 was, that's when I said this. The cuts are too short. For example, that one that I just said, man walks into the room. That's it. That's all that happens in that scene. Cut. Yeah. That's a cut, cut. Something else. Move on. Moving on. Yeah. Cut back to Rig. Well, it was early 2000s. You know, Taken was coming out. And, you know, it was just many, many cuts. <laughs> I feel like Taken came out in like the 2010s. Nah, it was... Um... Oh, 2008. I'm way wrong. There's also a TV show that came out in like 2013 or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, we go back to Reg. He, he shows up at the hotel and this is where we're going to... Is it now? No, it's not yet, but it's going to be soon. Oh, it's soon. Yeah. Um, but before we get serious, I love how Rig walks into the hotel, kind of looks at a guy, and the dude loses it immediately. Oh, the guy at the door? At the door. Yeah. Like, Rick just walks in, looks in that general direction, not even really at him. Just, like, looking. He walks in the room, he just looks around the room, and then goes up the stairs. This dude's like, hey, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Come over here. What are you looking at? I mean, seems pretty accurate for a black man trying to be not sketchy and walking in. And then, you know, just somebody being like, no, he must be sketchy. He must be. He, was, he looked regular, nice jacket, looking at... If anything, the other guy looked like he was way more sketchy. A hundred percent. Rig goes upstairs. He goes to the, the room based on the key, 261. He enters the room. There's a box on the bed. Yeah. So in this box, we have the pig mask. We have a tape recorder. And taped to the top of the box is a mugshot of the front desk clerk of the hotel. There's an adjoining room. And the door says, feel what I feel on it. Rig plays the tape. It says, to understand, you must feel what I feel. The picture of the man. That man is in desperate need of help. In the next room are the tools to his salvation. His life is in your hands. But in the end, only he can save himself. Be careful. There are cameras watching you. And you must hide your identity. Make your choice. Yeah, so he grabs the pig mask. He put, And then he puts it on. And it cuts to the two men arguing at the front desk. I found it weird that he puts on the mask. And then he immediately comes downstairs and he's not wearing the mask. Yeah, I think he put it on just for that one shot. He puts it on. We can get the cool shot. And then, because by the time he makes it to the end of the hall, he's not, he's not wearing it anymore. And um, he sees them arguing. And then like a, a dog. A cute little doggy. Yeah, cute little doggy. He jiggles the keys for the cute little doggy, and the doggy comes up the stairs. The desk, apparently, the desk clerk's dog, so he's like, come, puppy. I don't know what the dog's name is, but he says it a bunch of times. Come down, come down, come down. She's not listening, not listening, and then it's at the end of the hall. And the puppy's eating the pig mask, so, so my question is, are the pig masks made from actual pig? I don't think so. Based on, we, we see a flashback of where he gets the idea for the pig mask later on, but I think it's just a, a latex pig mask. So the man goes after his dog, and this is where Rig pulls a gun on him from inside of the room. We then do a quick cut back to the station and to Jill's interrogation. Uh, Detective Strom is asking her why her pictures were at the the crime scene. Does four walls build a home ring a bell? How about cherish your life? There's a quick flashback to Jill and John. John is saying, cherish your life is the whole premise this clinic was built on cherish your life. Jill says that's his motto in pro- in present day. Strom says it's actually your motto. It's the motto of y- your clinic. And he puts down a pamphlet from her clinic that 
has that right on the front. Cherish your life. Yeah, this is going to connect a lot to pre-Jigsaw Jigsaw, or I guess John at this point. It shows how he was on the road to this before the cancer diagnosis in part one Mm -hmm. for way harsher reasons than the cancer diagnosis. Yeah, so we get this flashback and we're in Jill's clinic. Two men are fighting in the waiting room. She goes to try to break it up and calls them both by name, Cecil and Gus. Cecil, then he starts pulling out a switchblade from his pocket after the fight is broken up. And Sean walks up to him and tells him that he doesn't want to do that. He does put the knife away. Yeah, John was a badass because he just looks at him like, you don't want to do this. He was scary even before he was Jigsaw. Like he's just Maybe it's just Tobin Bell. It's that gruff voice he has. <laughs> yeah, that gruff voice and that look. Mm-hmm. That was weird whenever I see him in something else. I'm like, hey, you looking Jigsaw. I was going to say, if he were cast in like a rom-com or something after this, the entire time you're just waiting for him to be like, I want to play a game. What if he did do a rom-com, but before this movie? So maybe we have the big saw rom-com. We're back to the interrogation room. Sean is asking Jill how it feels to have her husband take her clinic's motto and turn it into a torture mantra. Jill says that that part of John has nothing to do with her. And that she that they had divorced way before that started. She says something like... Uh, he left me before I left him. So Strom says everything is pointing back to her being the accomplice. He asks about the workshop, and there's a flashback to Jill being shown the workshop before it was a little shop of horrors. It's just a empty building. And there's this weird big deal made about this clock that's on a mantelpiece, and John's all like, oh, the mechanism inside of it is 300 years old, and blah, blah, blah. It was pretty cool. Like, listen, because uh, even Jill's like, What's, it's a clock, big deal, big whoop. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. The engineer in him just like nerds out over it. It does look like he's building a crib. And then he says that he has a surprise for Jill. And he pulls out this small doll version of Billy the puppet. Which is still creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you make this for your child? <laughs> it's the exact same doll, pretty much. Just, it looks more like a marionette than anything else. Not so much the Billy way, but, but still. Black suit, red eyes, the whole bits, all the same. You want to give your kid nightmares. Is all I was thinking of. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is nice. We'll put this in the back of the closet, I guess, somewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you and I have talked about, but I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast, my extreme clown phobia. And so last year I was staying over at my sister's house for the first time and I was staying in her son's old bedroom. And inside the closet, just like at the back of the closet, I could see this clown doll peeking out. I'm like, it's going to come after me in the middle of the night. I'm going to die. Have you ever seen um, uh, Poltergeist? Yes, and that's only like cemented my fear of clowns. It was after I already had my fear of clowns that I saw Poltergeist as a child. It's not okay. Not okay. <laughs> I was afraid of dolls and clowns after that one. My, my doll fear is lessened. The clown one is still ever present. <laughs> Depends on the doll. If it's those like the little porcelain dolls could go to hell. But other than that... Yeah, it's terrifying. Uh, But we're going to go into something else that is quite disturbing. I'm going to give the trigger warning here as we cut back to Rig in the hotel room with the clerk. He asks him to unlock the adjacent door with the key that he has. As he does so, uh, he sees inside that there are pictures of women who have been beaten and are tied, restrained to a bed, spread eagle generally. Uh, on In the room, we also have a bed in the center that has chains on it, some sort of jigsaw trap. We figure out that this man is a rapist. Uh, the TV turns on in the room and we see Detective... Donnie on the screen 
Rig then asks uh, this hotel clerk if he knows him. The man says that he doesn't know Detective Donnie. Uh, Rig finds a note that has his name on it set on top of a tape player. He presses play on the, the tape player and it says... Um, it asks him if the man before him is a victim or a perpetrator of violence. It says his salvation is out of your hands. Once this lesson is learned, the first step, uh, sorry, you're one step closer to saving Detective uh, Matthews. Uh, without Rig, this man's game cannot begin. Force him into position to face his demons and let him make the decision. It's showing then a tape of him raping a young girl. Rig calls him a sick buck and it's completely valid. True. 100%. Reg then forces him to chain himself to the bed. His head is put into a vice. There's a note that says, hand him the tools that will save his life. Rig then hands him what to me looked like two rods connected by a wire, but we find out after that there's buttons attached to it. A uh, drawer opens on the nightstand and there's another box with a note inside. Uh, we find out as Rig is leaving the room that this trap uh, is set up to blind the man. That he has to, because he's a voyeur, this trap will take out his eyes and he has to decide to do that in 60 seconds before it will be tripped to rip his body apart instead. He takes out one of his eyes and he's about to take out the second when the trap is triggered and rips his body apart instead. And this is where I was saying that it was... Although it wasn't completely graphic, it was pretty graphic. We did not need to see the tape of him raping a young girl. The pictures were enough implication, and even the pictures were a little bit much for me. We could have just had Jigsaw saying on a tape that this man is a rapist. This is what he does. He's a terrible man. Kind of in the way with the with the, the pimp madam lady, um, where they they say enough for you to get what it, get what it is, but mm -hmm. not explicitly show show it. No, because even if they have the pictures up, right. you don't need to focus on the picture. You can see them looking at the picture and reacting to it. Definitely. But at this point, Rig is outside of the room and he's looking at the note from the box. It says, "Become the teacher and save a life. Go back to where it all began." Which I thought was going to be the beginning of the movie, but it flashes back to who knows how long ago, maybe. Yeah, because. Because I, I assumed that we knew where it all began, so I was wondering, oh, is this the first victim that we're going to go back to? Is this the, he has to go back to his house? Like, where is the beginning? But then we get this flashback. To maybe years ago, because he's currently a SWAT commander, and in the flashback, he's, I guess, a patrolman, a patrol cop, just regular beat cop kind of thing, where there's back to back, there seems to be an abused little girl. She is too scared to say what's going on. Yeah, Rig has mentioned to her that he can see that she has bruises on her hands and on her neck her if something happened and the little girl's just silent she's not saying anything a door opens and a woman walks out of a room followed by detective hoffman and there's a man sitting in a chair in the room uh as the woman walks out we see the man wag his finger no at the little girl and then put it to his mouth to say shh and i think um i think rick sees it too doesn't he I think so. And that's why he says to Hoffman, he's lying. He's done this before. The woman is allowing him to do it. Hoff says that the kid's story doesn't cor corroborate anything and that and then he tells her to go back to class. But um, Rig is uh, beside himself, obviously, because he wants to save the little girl and he sees his hands tied to a point where they're going to let this continue. And he can't he can't abide this. He cannot. Um... And then the guy, uh, the the dad, the, the abuser, I don't know what to call him. Um, I think he's goes a principal. To, yeah, maybe a school official. Yeah, it looked like it was some, which none of it's good. Oh, man. But um, 
it starts rubbing it in his face. Like I got away with, he basically says like I got away with this. You can't do anything more without saying these words, but that's what he, he says. Uh, sometimes kids just get out of control, and he claps Rig on the back of the shoulder. Just the way he says these things is just uh, smarmy. And Rig loses it and starts punching him. Hoffman pulls him off, and the guy's like, "Ah, that was the worst mistake you ever made in your life. I'm gonna take you for this and sue for that and all this stuff." Then it cuts to later to what ends up, I guess, was the investigation, or does it get back? Uh, so we actually cut back to Strom asking Jill if, and this is where she he's asking her if you love John, why'd you leave him? And she says he left her long before she ever left him. She asks Strom about uh, if he knows about Gideon and the Chinese Zodiac and then says, I didn't just get pregnant. It was carefully planned, just like everything with John was. We got a flashback to pregnant Jill. She's letting some people out of the clinic at night, mocking up. John is waiting in a car and this is where we got our cameo. Yes, get a cameo. Returning character from Saw 2, we get Pink Shirt. Yeah, Pink Shirt is a sex worker and she is propositioning John through his window. John says no. He declines the offer. Um, and says something like, go home. You're, you're a pretty girl. You don't need to be doing this. Something like something along those lines. And she walks away. John's like doing a crossword puzzle or something right? in, the, in the front seat. Yeah, I was wondering what he was writing on. I didn't really notice what it was. At this point, Stabby McGee, as I call him, or Cecil is back at the clinic door he's saying that he left his jacket in the clinic if jill could just bring it for him as she brings it out to him he threatens her with a knife and takes her keys to go into the clinic he then when he comes out slams the door straight into her pregnant stomach and she begins bleeding um he runs out of the clinic john sees him running out they lock eyes he darts and then john goes straight into the clinic cuts to them going going up to a hospital like i need help my wife's seven months pregnant help lost the baby so and this this is where you see things start to go where john takes his first couple steps towards the dark side, dark side the jigsaw way. yeah jill is saying all i wanted to do was help them like just start saying start saying his jigsaw type things like you can't help these people they have to help themselves we can see that there's something changed in him i like the way tobin bell does this because you see him one way he still has the undercurrent of just seriousness but he's mm-hmm. not so focused is the word i'm gonna use he's so single-minded and doing this one thing like it's, uh, after that you just see more serious like a change in his look yeah he doesn't just go up to 11 <laughs> no he does not he you know right now he's at a good seven ish you know it's like i'm ramping up and jigsaw never really goes up to 11 does he he's just he's always calm even if he's being aggressive yeah, he is very matter matter of fact is what he is. He's very emotionless over it. Like, listen, it's not about emotion. It's about you learning to value your life because you don't value your life. And I think in the interrogation, which is around this point, Jill says, yeah, and, right, and not too long after that is when he gets the cancer diagnosis. And it cuts to John going into Carrie Owens' office. You see, like, the name on the side of the door. No Carrie. Actually, first we do get a cut. Well, really one of those stupid quick cuts. First back to the interrogation room where Strom says that he's not buying it. Then another cut to the hotel room. The cops are now there. They say that the room had been rented for the past six days by a lawyer named Art Blank. Uh, He went missing a week ago. Perez says this was the rapist's test, and Strom says it was Riggs. Jigsaw wants him to feel what he feels. This isn't about Riggs saving his friends. He's being recruited. So a cop says that Art Blank has a property nearby, and then we cut tactical team walking into the warehouse. There's a tricycle that's suspended from the ceiling, and there's two file folders on a desk with the re- jigsaw's red writing on them. 
One says, open the door and you'll find me. The other said, you are in danger of getting too close. Step back. Strom tries to, oh, so he does take down a camera that's in the corner of the room. Meanwhile, Perez asks, what does this mean? And Strom tells her, we're the two jigsaw targets. We cut to the current little shop of horrors with uh, Donnie and Hoffman. Donnie's saying, fuck you to their captor (laughs) and jumps off the block of ice which starts the process of the tipping platform. And so the man goes up and over to save him and tells him that there are live wires all around Hoffman and the ice water that's tipping towards him means that he'll get electrocuted if Donnie jumps off. We then reveal that the man who's keeping them captive is the lawyer of the man who beat the little girl. Because, oh, we might skip that scene because um, little girl and everybody's coming around to try to get the settlement for whoever that was. Hoffman mm-hmm. backs up Ray. Ray says, he says, no, Ray didn't do anything wrong. This guy jumped mm-hmm. him first. I saw it. I, I testified to it in court. The whole bit said my statement. We're dropping the charges now. We're doing all this stuff. So it was just, um. Yeah, we got that scene right right now in a flashback. Oh, right now? Oh, cool. So uh, I, I jumped in right on time. So, like, I remember all, most of the scenes, I just don't remember them in order. Just remember randomly. That's why I write everything down. Keep me focused. I like it. The lawyer knows what's up. Yeah, you guys are thick as thieves here in Toronto. (laughs) New Jersey, okay. (laughs) I meant Trenton. I'm sorry. Um, it just sounded like Toronto when I said it. Um, <laughs> so, I guess Biggest Thieves is going to get you caught or is going to get you... Yeah, it will come back to get you one day. And then we cut to Rig. Uh, he goes to the abandoned school where the little girl incident happened. There are arrows painted on the walls pointing to a classroom door with a question mark on it. Mm-hmm. As he walks in, the chalkboard says, save as I save. And do you want to describe what's in the middle of the room, Jeff? This is a creative trap, I gotta say. It's a husband and wife, we find out, back to back with arrows in their bodies, impaled up, like together with each other. Arrows is what I'm gonna say because they're back to back. Arrow in her coming, going out her back, into him, into his back, out his front. And so it's just like they're skewered together and there's a couple different, what, maybe five or six-ish different arrows, more or less, keeping them together. Of course, they're in pain, obviously. And in front of each of them are um, picture of the human body, uh, the skeletal system or like endocrine system, whatever, like just uh, biology. There it is. They're like a biology thing of the body showing the organs and whatnot and the veins and arteries with dots, stru- like this dots on the showing where the wounds are on their bodies to the one they're looking at yeah which are Um, consistent with arteries on the body so then the tape starts playing and don't know what this is verbatim but it pretty much is oh i don't have it verbatim but (laughs) all right this one is um the man is an abusive husband, beats his wife, and she's been um, in that relationship. So, um, and explains to her that all she has to do is walk away from him and she will live. So, all if she pulls the arrows out of her body, her wounds will recover fine, but every wound that she, every time she does it, is going to kill him. He has mortal wounds, she has superficial. As long as, she, as long as she walks away pulling him out, she'll be fine and she will go on with her life. Is she willing to do this? Live or die, your choice is yours. You know, um, the <laughs> usual uh, jigsaw. And she doesn't take too long effort she doesn't take too long in debating this decision not for nothing she is does she even say like i'm sorry like sorry john or Mm. jimmy or whatever his name is no not really she just starts going for it and he's screaming at her like what are you doing why why and she's just going (laughs) she's about yeah she pulls out two or three of them on her own and that's when rig bursts into the room uh no so rig finds them unconscious actually 
And on there was a board that's in front of them that says your life is in her hands. And he sees there's 32 minutes still on the clock. And then as he walks over to the woman, she wakes up and she says, "I she like she's like I won." And then we get this flashback of how she won. Oh, I thought she had passed off him because he he helps pull a couple of them out still, so she didn't get them all. He pulls one. There's one left in her, so he does pull one out of her after uh, he finds another tape player and he plays it, and the voiceover says. What have you learned thus far? Experience is a harsh teacher. First comes the test, second comes the lesson. If you are to save as I save, then you will see that the per- the person before you is but a student. So I ask you, has she learned her lesson? She has been taught the error of her ways. Does she now view the world differently? The key to this person's freedom lies in the palm of your hand, but only after she has done her own part can you play your your role in her salvation. Once judgment has been made, once judgment has been made, though, the key to finding your next destination is just off the map. And then he goes, off the map, right off the map. And he starts running around the room trying to find wherever the clue would be hidden. Um, that was th- that part of it was very escape room-like to me. Because mm-hmm. when you get like, oh, off the map, I got to go to a map, find a map, go off of it somehow or behind it or look at it. And then I'll be able to find the combination to like one of the other padlocks I have in this room. So it mm-hmm. was very, the way he just goes about it right away kind of yeah. made me laugh a little bit. So he checks behind the projector screen and he finds the box. But doesn't he, he put, takes his jacket off, uh, puts it on her. And then before he leaves and he say, hey, you got to save yourself? He does, but first he finds this box and inside is a picture of his wife. And on the back it says, go home. But the G is in black. And then he has these flashbacks and remembers that the G was on all the different traps. And in fact, it's the same G that was in the word Gideon in the background of a picture of John on a building. That's when uh, Rig gives the wife the key, says she has to save herself, puts his jacket over her because she said she was cold. And then he leaves and he trips the fire alarm on his way out so that she'll get help. Yeah, and that is a hint I would have never gotten, by the way. The G in the, the thing? Map. Never. Never. Yep. Oh, yeah, no. The map thing I would have found. Yeah, yeah. Go home. I, I'd have gone home to my house. I wouldn't have thought anything else of it. Never would have seen that it was the same G font. See, look how good the font is. It's even in one of the clues. <laughs> That's how good they are. Four movies in, they finally figured out the font. <laughs> the fonts have gotten so much better. It's one of the hints. It's it's <laughs> in a trap. It's in one of the games. Look at that. All comes full circle. But, um, yeah, I would have gone home. I wouldn't have remembered in a picture I saw Jigsaw standing in once with some other guy. I would have maybe seen... The same G. Yeah, it was way too obscure. Yeah, way too... Yeah, way too much. I would have ne- never in a million years. My game would have ended there. I would have been like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do now. This is... You stumped me, uh, Jigsaw. Um, <laughs> we get one of those wick cuts again to the little shop of horrors. And Donnie's crying that he doesn't want to play anymore. And Hoff is telling him to shut up. Then we're back in the classroom with uh, Perez and Strom. They're discussing that the wife says that Riggs saved her and she's the one that killed her husband. Perez's phone rings. We find out that Art Blank is the lawyer to three of the victims as well as Jill. Dun, dun, dun. So everything's dun, dun, connected. Dun, dun. And what else do we find out? Oh, wait, sorry. Before we find out the second thing, we watch as a crime scene technician trips a trap. An arrow is shot through another technician's head. 
Oh no, he pushes. He is supposed to shoot uh, Director Tenebrae. Strom pulls her or pushes her out the way, and it goes into some poor lab tech's neck, minding their own business. After this, they go off into another room, in the, another classroom in the school. Yeah, because the they find so Strom's yelling that they have to find the la- the layer is what he calls it. And he asks if they have the second address yet, and Detective Perez says they do. It's owned by Art and Jill. It's the building they are currently in. That leads them to start investigating the school. They walk down the hallway. They see on the office door, the second F in office has been changed to a B written in red. So they go in the room, and this is, um, they don't see a, a Billy doll in the middle of the room. Yeah, and he's surrounded by candles. He has a recorder around his head. They play, and this is the dumbest, well, nothing should have happened to anybody right now. Because um, it's they, I forgot what the tape recorder says. Um, I think it's trying to tell him basically to back off, if I remember right, isn't it? The main points that I wrote down because I started getting sick of writing everything. <laughs> so the main points were Agent Strum will soon take the life of an innocent man. Heed my warning. Agent Perez, your next move is critical. Then there's a whisper and it says, open the door. And then the little Billy puppet starts moving its eyes, like looking off at the corner. And Detective Perez... She walks up to it and starts staring at it like two inches away from its face. And the face blows, blows up, shooting sh- uh, Billy parts into her face. Yeah, and some sort of powder. You see like things stuck in her, right? The little mm-hmm. shards. And then that stupid Halloween laugh starts. <laughs> Off to the hospital they go with her. Um, as of right now, she's fighting for her life. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to Strom, basically losing it. And this is where Strom goes to 11. But before he goes to 11, he's saying goodbye to Perez. And she hands off the key to him that Detective Busy had sent to them. Yeah, hands off the key. Then you see him going to 11, calling her parents. I think it just strikes him to start investigating Gideon. Like it just comes to him. Uh, he sees the photo and that's why he does it. But before he sees that photo, we are back in the little shop of horrors. There's 19 minutes left on the clock. Donnie is choking slash dying. So Art, Art, the lawyer, goes over to him. And this is where Donnie kicks him and tries to attack him. Art says he himself is not the one that he has to worry about. Wait till the clock runs out before killing yourself. If this one guy passes his test, then all three of them get to go free. He hands Donnie a gun and a bullet and says, live or die, make your choice. And we cut to Strom losing it in the station. Losing the station, calling the parents. And then he figures out the Gideon thing was the son's name. Um, Isn't Jill there again? Like, why'd you name him that? Yeah, Jill's still in the interrogation room. So he goes back into the room and tells her first that she officially is uh, being charged. Her name's on an indictment. So she better start talking. He bombards her with a bunch of questions all at once. What's with the doll and the tricycle? Uh, Who were your husband's known associates before he went insane? Jill says he wasn't the associate type, and then Strom asks, where is Art Blank? There's only 15 minutes more. I know that he was a business partner, an associate, and your lawyer. Strom asks what happened between Art and John. So we flash back to the workshop, and Jill and Art are entering together. John's sitting there in the corner looking very dejected. Art starts saying to him that he's not returning his calls. He understands that what happened was a tragedy, but the buildings they are working on, they need him. John takes says, take them, give my share to Jill. Art says, that's not the way that it works. They're partners. It's John's designs that will make the building special. There are over 40 low-income families ready to move in. You can't just walk away. You're their savior, John. John literally says, get the fuck out. <laughs> 
in the shows here, more more alluding to the fact that John owned 40 buildings in the middle of nowhere. Is this now when we get back to John's going crazy, developing the traps, the new traps, like traps now, the trap construction montage? Jill and Art leave, then it's Jill in the interrogation room. She says that John blamed her. He could never forgive her. They were over and he was diagnosed with cancer soon after that. And that's when we get the flashback of his cancer diagnosis, uh, where he goes to see Dr. Gordon and then his suicide attempt. Strom asks her in one of those quick cutaways if she ever tried to contact him again after. And Jill says, I tried, but a different person crawled out of the wreckage. Someone else survived. She, This is where she goes back into the little shop of horrors in a flashback. And she finds all the photos of Cecil. She asks John, what did you do to him? I thought she threw like a newspaper and like he, he was missing or something. This is where we see him creating. like You see, uh, which I found really cool, even though he doesn't use it yet. Like how he distorts, quote unquote, his voice in the, in the tapes. He is Jigsaw now, even though he hasn't done anything yet to anybody in his first uh, subject has already been chosen and it is Cecil so it's kind of personal for the first one so we see John soaking a rag in chloroform and then we see Cecil walking out of a building and into a year of the pig Chinese New Year celebration there's people all around in these little plastic pig masks and John grabs two of them he puts one on himself and then he puts the chloroform rag in the other one and comes up behind Cecil and places the mask on his face yeah Cecil then passes out obviously. So Cecil wakes up tied to a chair with John in the room. No jigsaw, no tape, no Billy man, no Billy, bu- no Billy, Billy puppet. It's John looking at him. They talk for a minute. Uh, Billy asks for forgiveness. And he goes, uh, not Billy. Uh, Cecil asks for forgiveness. And John says, hey, Cecil, honestly and truly, I forgive you for what you did. But you have to value what you have. You have to, you're being an addict, being a junkie. Will you fight for your life? Kind of thing. You know, the, the jigsaw mantra of thing, you know, will, will you will you do what it takes to value your life? Cecil starts to lose it, cursing him out. F you F this, fuck this, fuck the other thing. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna kill you, or the whole bit. That's when Jigsaw comes out and he pulls out a like a contraption, puts it on over his head, and it is a box with knife blades faced towards him on hinges. He tells him, All right, um, very easy for you. Um, you spend time shooting up and cutting yourself. All you need to do is lean forward and hit a lever, and you'll be able to free yourself. And because of the way that he's attached to the chair, his hands and I think his feet are like stabbed through with something. So he tells him if he doesn't try to escape the strap, he's going to bleed out. He gives it a try. Like he pushes through a couple of times, pushes through a couple of times, pushes through a couple of times, but through the pain and everything, he struggles. The chair he's sitting on breaks, freeing himself in a, in a separate way. He gets up, pulls a knife on him from somewhere. Probably from the trap. Probably from the trap because I, I don't know where he gets it. He, maybe he had one. I don't know. Maybe it's a switch blade from before. I didn't notice that he pulled a knife. I just saw him charge at John. Yeah, he, you know, I think it was a knife he pulled. And then John just sidesteps him very easily. And he falls into a big ball of barbed wire. Which Yeah, it looks like the, it was... The setup for the trap from... Yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like he was starting to make that trap for uh, the first victim that we saw. Was that Jeff? Was that a Jeff? Was that Jeff from part one? No, Jeff from part one survives. It wasn't Mark either. I don't know that I wrote down his name. That was when it was only 10 pages of notes, not 26. <laughs> <laughs> I like this because it shows that he wasn't fully formed. The jigsaw formula wasn't there yet. Like he had walked, he decided to go down this road for, for whatever reason. And it was very crude in the way he did it. Even though you see him setting up the tapes, how I'm going to do the tapes. But with the Cecil, he doesn't do it. He's standing there watching him go through, watching him mm-hmm. try to escape, watching him try to push through, watching him get out, and then stepping out of the way when he tries to stab him. Or and then dying. And then we do like a mini flashback to Jill in the workshop with him where she's confronting him about Cecil. And 
asking him what he's done and whatever. And he takes a baseball bat and he smashes that clock from before, which is kind of this metaphor of that past him is gone. He's smashed it. He then tells Jill to never come back. Because when she walks in, she goes over to some, a velvet sheet covering something. And right, that's when he catches her and then everything ensues. Which After she leaves, he pulls it off and it's a glass coffin. Filled with broken glass. Oof. I know I showed that part, but yeah, fill broken glasses and then cuts to... Strom and he asks where the Gideon building is. Then we cut to Rig. He's walking through, gets some boxes, uh, little boxes set up from the Saw 3 boxes. I think they're the same boxes. Um, Patience. Mm-hmm. Remember in capital letters who you are saving, dot, dot, dot. Time is on your side. At this point, we see Donnie taking that bullet he was given by Art and loading the gun. He notices, he looks above him as he's loading the gun, that there are these ice blocks suspended above him attached to a pulley system that's attached to the door. Art says, you better hope he doesn't come through that door. Rig is now keeps on going through these hallways. And is, is this now when it cuts to me? It cuts to me soon. Right? Um... Rigs in the hall. There's another empty box. Then we have Strom. He's arrived on the scene at the Gideon building. He enters and he sees a box. It's empty. You know mm-hmm. what's cool about the empty boxes? The box is Jeff emptied on his way and doing his trip because they're in the same place. I was wondering why there were empty boxes and now you put the pieces together for me. <laughs> I just Thank you. It just hit me literally two minutes ago when you saw, oh, he goes to a box. I'm like, yeah, that one has it. But then he goes to an empty box and I wondered it yesterday and today. I just got it. Like, oh, yeah. Jeff got to that box earlier. That was one of Jeff's boxes that he had empty. That he already he already took what was in there. We're cutting back and forth fast. We're at Rig now. He's in the hall. All the messages from before are on the walls around him. See what I see. Feel what I feel. Judge as I judge. Save as I save. There's a timer and it's at three, just like three and a couple minutes left on the clock. There are the IDs of both Detective Matthews and Detective Hoffman sitting on the table. And there's a note mm-hmm. that says... Have you learned how, in capital letters, to truly save a life? Strom, he's walking around. He finds Lynn or Jeff's keys because it's uh, a keychain on it with a picture of their family together on the keys. Mm -hmm. Then Art Mm -hmm. Art reveals... This is there's quick cuts here, so I, I'm sorry. I'm oh, gonna yeah, it's take. Yeah, you can take a lead. Cut in if you have a comment on it. Got it. Art reveals there is a device hooked up to him as well as the clock is ticking down. We get a flashback to the mute man from the beginning. And it's art. He finds a manila envelope that says the key to your freedom. And there's a tape recorder on top of it. Jeff uh, is wandering through the hallway and we see Jeff again from Saw 3. Strom hears him. And then we cut to the end of Saw 3 where Jeff is finding Lynn and she gets shot and falls into his arms. Strom is right behind him. Meanwhile, Art has a button that says release on it. He says that he can press it once the timer is up. Strom hears an explosion through the door. Uh, The door shuts and locks right before the explosion. Rig arrives at the door that says final test on it. Donnie and Art are screaming from the other side of the door not to open it. There are four seconds left on the clock. Rig enters the room. <laughs> Donnie immediately shoots him. Yeah, before he gets to the door, he shoots him, but doesn't stop him. Yeah, it's like as he's opening the door, he shoots through the glass and it hits Rig. This trips the trap. The ice blocks come crashing down and crush Donnie's head. Meanwhile, we see Strom and he has remembered the words uh, that opened the door to find me or whatever it was. 
And so he uses the key that he was given by Detective Dizzy to open up the door. And he goes inside and he finds Jeff, who's holding a gun. So he shoots them, just as Jigsaw said. He kills an innocent man. Quote, unquote, innocent. Yeah. <laughs> innocent and is questionable, but innocent man. Um, Riggs shoots Art at, at this point and, the, and he shoots him in the head. Sorry, he had already shot him as he had entered the room, but he shoots him again through the head, killing Art as Art was trying to reveal to him that it, like he lost the game, he did it wrong, and the tape starts playing as he died that he was trying to play. It says that he failed, they have to, that the victims were supposed to be saving themselves, that was the point. And then we get the huge reveal of who Jigsaw's accomplice is. You see Hoffman show up, because you think, you know, Hoffman's now dead because of all the melted water and the um, the live wires, which apparently there weren't any. It was just a bunch of high voltage signs behind the, behind the gate and that was it and does he tell him game over he does say game over at this point but we get a little bit more we see that he comes up behind strom and he locks him in the room with all the dead bodies side note to that part of it which is cool uh, to connect to Saw 3 when um, Jigsaw's telling Jeff hey all you gotta do is forgive me I'll have cops I'll have everybody here in four minutes mm-hmm. to save you to save everything all you gotta do is trust me it shows that it was true there was already cops on the way there it was all part of the track it was all part of part of the plan did they show Riggs fate I don't think it did um, well Rig was shot and he's left to die we presume in the room well Hoff came up behind him did Hoff do anything to him I don't remember that no I think Hoff just talked to him just told him and um, he just said didn't I tell you don't you remember what I've been telling you the whole time, never barge in through one unchecked door, which is what he does at the end of this movie. Um, so it alludes back to the very first thing that he tells them in this movie, like you never rush into an unchecked door. You never know what's behind it. You have to t- be careful. You have to let, you can't just do this. And that's what got everybody killed is him having to be there, having to rush, having to get there right away to get to save them when it was that very action that causes everybody's death, which is his test the whole time. Very pretty credits uh, at the end. Very nice font. <laughs> Great font. All the way at the end. Great font. All right. Normally, at this point, I would try to say what I would do to fix. At this mm-hmm. point, I might. Uh, right now, I believe I can't. Besides obvious things, besides you know, besides obvious things like the trigger warning stuff, if they, they that could have been done a little bit more tastefully. Um, yeah. things like that. Um, of course. But story wise, it's very difficult for me to say anything because this very much feels like the first act of a movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a complete movie itself. It doesn't feel like a very, like, even though Rick's story does begin and end in this movie, the real story feels like it's just getting started. All the stuff with Jill, all the stuff with Hoffman, all the stuff with Strom, it feels like Strom somebody. You know, it's not, it's more dangling than any other, any of the other movies we had to watch so far. There is so much left in the air. Like last time it was just, where's the little girl? Now it's like, what's going on with Strom? What's going on with Hoffman? What does um, Jill know, if anything else? You know, it's a bunch of, so much more going on. Yeah, I completely agree. I Even though I haven't seen the next movie, I feel that this is a setup for what's to come. And that's why I wrote so many notes along the way, thinking, oh, yeah. this could come back and this could be relevant again later. For example, the line that I wrote down about when Strom has the toy under his arm and he alludes to how he has a daughter and he's not married. It's a short story. I, I thought, and I don't know if it's true, that maybe the short story is that he, he's going to get a daughter because Jeff failed and he's going to take over 
being this little girl's dad. I don't know. Yeah, it's, and he's no longer alive. He kills Jeff. He kills. Uh, she she is now an orphan. The only issue I have now watching these movies is the second I finished the fourth one, I wanted to watch the fifth one and the sixth one. So that counts for something because now I want to see where it's going. If it was so now we can. Uh, so now, Jackie, the question of the hour, which uh, is going to be very difficult for you to answer, I'm sure, with all the conflict in this movie. What did you mm-hmm. think of it first time watching? You know, totally new to this. What do you think? Um, I found that this movie was exhausting. <laughs> I, there was a lot happening, a lot of quick cuts. There was some pretty intense content in it that was very triggering for me. And yeah, it was, I just felt exhausted by the end of the movie. Also, I forget, what time did I text you that I started watching it? Like three o'clock, maybe? More or less. I think earlier, I think around two, maybe. Maybe like 2.30 or so I started to watch it. And I finished at 7.15. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I hit you up with, and I texted you earlier, and it was like, "Oh, how's the movie going?" And it was like, "Had to take a break. Just finished the part with the with the guy." I'm like, oh, okay, totally understandable. No worries. Yeah, exactly. I needed to take a bit of a breather, but yeah, I I did not enjoy this movie as much as I enjoyed the last one, and part of it was because it felt like so much was happening in this movie that it just felt exhausting and the content. Yeah, I think the content over- might have really soured a bunch, uh, obviously, but because even the last one, even though the last was gory it fun is hard for me to call it but fun i was having fun with the last one i was really enjoying myself watching saw three as mm-hmm. just going through the trap trying to learn things the whole drama dynamic with um amanda and um and lynn like why i can never remember her name between amanda and lynn you know the whole jealousy and then the reveal in that one i loved it so much like how it was this game that nobody knew was going on except for jigsaw everybody thinks yeah. it's lynn that has to keep him alive because the guy is over there doing the x y and z you know everything everything's connected but at the end of the day all that was not only to save their family but also to um to test amanda and her resolve for this life that she yeah gave her body and soul. To. I did really enjoy that twist in the last movie. I for this movie, I knew right from the first the first tape that Rig got what his real challenge was. It was very obviously set up for me. So instead, watching him struggle through trap after trap and then just being like, okay, well, is he going to fail? Yep, he's probably going to fail. <laughs> just waiting for him to fail any any minute now, please. One hour later. <laughs> Yeah. Did you find it a little bit ironic or uh, maybe uh, that um, in Saw 3, Jigsaw's trying to get a couple to stay together after getting over the loss of a child and that's what started him on his road to being Jigsaw? Yeah, it made it a little bit more meaningful that he had been through that as well and that he knew the pain. Yeah. That could happen. It's yeah, so almost one thing. It's almost one thing when Amanda asked him, like, oh, why'd you pick her? Is she because she's the best? Like, no, that's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. And now maybe you can see what the other reason was. Like, I'm trying to actually help these people yeah. in my own twisted, crazy jigsaw kind of way. And there's no there's no easy road to salvation in um in Jigsaw's mind. Mm-hmm. Have to go through it. So I found that I found that you know it does have cool callbacks to it. You know, hey, the things that he was he has been doing there have been reasons to him. It hasn't been just doing them to do it yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so I don't know. exactly. But what would you rate this movie? That's difficult. Ugh. I'd have to drop it mm-hmm. mainly because it's not a complete movie. Like it's not. Like as much as I love it, and I think I might love it more or like it more because of me knowing the rest of it. But me judging it on itself as a trend as to where we're going on this path, where we are right now. Uh, I'd have to drop it down. I was at eight last time, right? Mm-hmm. And I was seven on the second one. I'd have to drop it down to like a. I don't know if to do a five or a six on this one. This is... 
Yeah, it definitely has a sharp drop for me as well. Yeah, it's a sharp, sharp drop. Um, I might go five on this one because I, I, I still remember the feeling I had when I left the theater after seeing this. I remember, I saw these uh, in real time, mm-hmm. a year apart. They came out every October. So I just finished watching Saw 3 a year ago. I come in to see Saw 4. I get this and don't get Saw 5 till next October. Yeah, that would be so frustrating for me. To the point where this is the one I oh, I hated the most. This is the one I liked the least. All of the Saw, all of the movies in the franchise is this one. And I think it's, it's mainly now that I was watching it yesterday with my new critical eye for these deep mm-hmm. dives. It has to be that it wasn't a movie. It wasn't a complete movie. It wasn't, a, you know, it tried, but it wasn't. It gave you enough for it to qualify, quote unquote, but technically it's not a movie it's just it's the first act of a movie and then you just feel cheated because even hell we watched lord of the Rings. first movie still has an end and then even though it leaves you on a cliffhanger which is fine it still had a movie before the cliffhanger shows up yeah exactly this one didn't and so it did feel incomplete but it was also so long and so much happened in it for it to feel incomplete like it it was frustrating (laughs) a lot happened but nothing happened in the quote-unquote a plot of the movie because everything around it it was just setups for things for like it was like setups no payoff no payoffs just setups (laughs) just said you just see setups all over the place and then rig is almost like a side character in his own movie i completely agree so for me i would rate this one a four it doesn't get that extra point because it didn't invent escape rooms so (laughs) No, I did not. No, I did not. Not this one. This one did not invent escape rooms. Yeah, but I, I dropped off from eight to five. So, you know, sharp, sharp decline. Exactly. At this point, when you calculate it with all of our previous scores, we're sitting at a 64%. All right. We're still above 50. We're not fresh. We're not rated fresh, but still, we're still have three more movies to go. I know nothing about the movies going forward. So, it's all going to be a surprise to me. I hope that the next movie makes up for this one. Yeah, me too. And- um, next time, as you guys might have deduced by the pattern of how these podcasts have been going, Saw 5 <laughs> will be coming at you guys next week. Yep. So hopefully, you guys, if you haven't seen them, I hope you're watching along and not listening to this and then watching the movie because, man, is this going to... All the spoilers. Yeah, and we'll be releasing episodes every single Wednesday. Well, if y'all are on your phones like Jeff is, then uh, maybe you can check us out on our social medias. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Series of Horrors Podcast. Or where can you reach us by email, Jeff? Email, you can reach us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com. I would like to thank the couple of people that have already joined the Facebook group. Welcome. Loving the feedback that we've gotten so far. And please give us any other feedback you have. Rate, subscribe, review. It all helps. Yeah, send us memes, send us jokes. You know, we all need good. We we all need a good laugh. You know, just talk hard with us. You have another. If you if there's a franchise that you think we, you might want us here to talk about, let us know. We also do horror TV shows. So anyway, it's been a pleasure, Jackie. Yes, always fun talking to you. Always. Until next time. Yeah, we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Have a good week. Bye.